Well, no. All I'm saying is, when was the last time someone actually used tape to record something? I mean, we say, oh, yeah, I taped it last night. But you, you didn't tape it. You DVR'd it. Or you, you recorded something on your phone, on the hard drive. And coming to think of it, no one's using a hard drive anymore. It's, it's solid state. It's, it's recorded onto the RAM or, or other... Uh, I'm on a tangent. Why bother? Oh, hi, it's Pete Pomisano one more time for Off-Road, an RLTP podcast. Unlike many other podcasts that you could be listening to, this one is a Buffalo podcast. This one is about our city. And right now, Buffalo, like the rest of the world, is in uh, a bit of a crisis mode. And I'm sitting here after every theater in town has shut down because of the uh, COVID-19 virus. This includes, I've just been told, Hand to God, the Road Less Traveled production. But there will be more information about that at the end of the podcast. And I would be remiss if I didn't send out my love and best wishes to all my fellow theater workers and volunteers and just about everybody working in downtown Buffalo, especially those who are going to lose some of their livelihood because the bars aren't going to be busy, the restaurants aren't going to be busy. Yes, even some of the theater people who work and depend on these meager paychecks to get the bills paid, some of them are going to be in dire straits because of this situation. And if you are listening to this podcast and you are a supporter of Buffalo Theater and you have tickets and perhaps your tickets have been rendered useless now because the season's uh, second or third show, whatever this is for your company, has been canceled or worse yet, one show appearing at 710, the curious case of the dog in the nighttime has been completely abandoned after four weeks of hard work and I know many of the people in the show and I'm sure it's just absolutely heart-wrenching to them to have to abandon this and say it will never be seen. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that if you are a supporter of Buffalo Theater and you hold some tickets that are no longer valid, consider this. How about not trading them in for the next show or How about not asking for a refund? How about just making that a donation to the theater? It's a small part of their budget, just the ticket, but every ticket counts, and it is very important to a lot of people if you could possibly see your way clear. And I know this won't apply to everybody, and not everybody can afford to do this, but if you can, think about it. Perhaps you could donate the cost of the ticket back to the theater. And we'll be all right again soon, and everything will be fine, and shows will begin running again. But for now, it's tough going for many people, and we can't help everybody, but those that we can help, how about we give it a try? Also, if I may, I'd like to order uh, some takeout, and I'd like to suggest that you order some takeout from your favorite restaurants. If you can afford to do so, please help out these restaurants. I don't know how to help out the wait staff. I hope that the government is going to do something for them as soon as possible. But at least we can keep our favorite restaurants open so that when this is all over, we have some place to return to. So order some takeout, sit back and enjoy it at home, and help your restaurants weather this storm with the help of uh, their neighbors and friends. And that's all I want to say about that. I hope you're all being safe. I hope you're all healthy. I hope you're all sane. And here to listen to today's special guest, who is Victoria Perez Maggiolo. This is a fascinating lady who has come so far in the Buffalo theater community And I think you'll enjoy hearing about how she got here, what she has in mind for her future, and how she has helped the Latino community rise to new heights on the Buffalo theater scene. So here you go. Here's Victoria Perez Maggiolo on Off-Road and RLTP podcast. There may be cousins or something. 
So what's going to happen to the Palmisano name? Well, you know, the Palmisano name is like Smith in Sicily. Oh, so okay. Back it, it'll, it'll carry on. It'll continue. You're too young to remember, but back when there were phone books. Uh, uh-huh. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> there, were, there were dozens of Palmisanos in Buffalo, but none of them related to me, or at least they wouldn't admit they were. So... I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm happy to have you here um, because there's so many things I wanted to talk to you about, including your whole background and, and, and where you came from. Well, you know what? Uh, let's start. I've, I've been, I've already pushed the record button, but I'm going to edit out all, all the, the, the crap. Anyway, uh, do, do you go by Victoria Perez anymore, or, is it, or do I call you, Med, is it Victoria Perez Mediolo? Well, you know, my husband, this is our only fight in 20 years of marriage. <laughs> is that, on the stage, I just go by Perez, yes. Victoria Perez. Perez. But my, you know, my license says Victoria Perez Mediolo. You know, every so, anything that's like official, yes. I I hyphenate, but when it's theater related, it's only Perez. Mm. I know. So he didn't win that fight. He he did it. What, what's he, your he, reason? What's your reasoning behind it? My father passed away, and mm. obviously his name is Perez. Perez, and you. So I really wanted to honor yes. the family name. Yes. Um. So it was, and I also also when we got married, I said. Um, I never understood, and I and I'm I try not to judge. I try. I think I do a pretty good job of not judging women that take the the, the husband's last name because yes. that's the family name yes. as well, right? But I I always believe that when I got married and I told Carlos, "You're not becoming my life. I am adding you to my life." Lovely. And that that was my way of understanding the hyphen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Victoria Perez hyphen Majolo. Majolo. In in Latin American cultures, it's Perez de Majolo. So Perez oh, of, of, of Majolo. Majolo. You know what I mean? Yes, that's I do that's know. how I don't know if it's the same in Italy. In well my, my family uh, my still I still have relatives in Sicily. And in Sicily the the wives don't even take their husbands' names right. at all. Yeah. So in all legal paperwork and such, it's still Perez. And no, it's actually hyphenated. That was my compromise with my husband. Oh, it's no, but Perez I mean, Majolo. Oh, but I mean, in Latin American countries, would it, oh. it would it would still be Perez? Yeah, yeah, yeah not yeah. the hyphen. Well, if I go back to Puerto Rico, it's actually Victoria Perez Rodriguez. So my mother's last name. Holy cow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I, I knew I would learn a lot from you. And it's, it's, it, That's the, why we're all walking around with identity crisis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Who I wish I could we? use that excuse for myself, but I don't think I really can. Uh, it's more for me. It's just like I don't know. Uh, so anyway, Victoria, uh, tell me, tell me what your background is. I know. I of course, you know, I use Facebook to research these things, and I looked at your, you know, your high school education and stuff. But have you? Were you born in Puerto Rico? Yeah, yeah. So My... what was the story of of you arriving here? So my, my grandfather, my mother's father, mm-hmm. came to the States to work at Bethlehem Steel okay. in the late 50s, early 60s, mm-hmm. I believe. And my mother was about eight, nine years old. Was he, uh, uh, was, he just, was he just looking for a job or did he somehow have a background in steel ironworking yeah, so or something? I, I, be, I think it was part of Operation Bootstrap, which was uh, a program where a lot of Puerto Ricans were, mm-hmm. were told there's tons of work in the U.S. Okay. Go at factories. Yes. Go. 50s and 60s. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's what go. he did. Just go. Mm-hmm. Just go. So you'll see if you if you start doing the research on Puerto Ricans here in this community, you'll see that they all came here to work at Bethlehem Steel. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, you know, um, somehow I feel like a lot of Italians did too. Oh yeah, exactly. Because yeah. that that was the thing to do. Mm-hmm. So he came, and it took him a few years to bring all his family. Yes. Uh, eventually, there was eight females and three men in the family. So, yes. and my mom is the oldest of the girls. So they created a life here. They grew up in Lackawanna, mm-hmm. and my mother and my father met, and they moved to Syracuse. They had three children. One of them died in a car accident. Oh, I'm sorry. When he was seven years old. Mm. So when that happened, my parents were like, "We need to go back home," and they went. They moved to Puerto Rico. Took their two kids. And moved to Puerto Rico. Because like, of the death of the child? Because of the death was of the she, child. Did it just arouse some sort of homesickness yeah. in there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So then myself and I have a twin. 
my twin brother and I were born in Puerto Rico a year later. Really? And we lived there till I was nine years old. And then what was the impetus to come well, back? Because when they went to Puerto Rico, they were the only ones in Puerto Rico. <laughs> the whole family. Oh, the rest of the family is here, here in Buffalo. Oh. Yeah. So they, they lasted about 10 years there. And then my older brother was in college. My older sister was actually here going to college. Um, so then myself, uh, my twin and I and mom came to Buffalo. And then about a year later, our father joined us. Mm -hmm. And we've been here since 1988. So, so you were how old when you came back? Nine. Nine years old. Mm -hmm. So where'd you go to school then? In Lackawanna? I went to, no, they, they eventually moved to the west side. The okay. family moved to the west mm -hmm. side. I went to uh, Black Rock Academy in Riverside, mm -hmm. which was, uh, I believe, the second bilingual school in the Buffalo Public School District. So, you, so were you uh, not bilingual yourself? I mean, when you came here, did you have a hard time? Because, of course, you hadn't lived here at well, all. Well, the cool thing about um, growing up in my family was that well, I guess it, it's the case for a lot of Puerto Rican families. People don't know that, but a lot of Puerto Ricans over there are bilingual. Mm -hmm. So um, I always grew up listening to my parents speak in English. I see. Always, because that was the way of talking without us understanding. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I got here, my brother and I were like bilingual in like three months. Oh, yeah. I remember that there was some newspaper that did a story on us because we were like officially bilingual and like... So quickly. So quickly. Yeah, yeah. because you listened to your... Parents. Yeah, it wasn't foreign. <laughs> Don't tell Victoria, but. <laughs> well, that's very. So, now, yeah. so when did the theater bug sort of hit you? Because I, I see that you went to the Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts. Mm -hmm. And and so something must have happened before then uh, that, that got you interested. Well, my I, my family, they're all musicians. Uh, almost, almost all my family of performers. A family of a performers. showbiz family. Yep, big time. Music. Mm -hmm. I was, I was the first one to venture into theater. Yes, but um, because of your voice, though, because I don't know. I, I think, I think it was just the place where I was put. You know, I, it was all singing. Everything was singing, mm -hmm. um, and I started singing in bands when I was fourteen years old and gigging in nightclubs. Yeah, <laughs> at that young age, but singing salsa, merengue, mm -hmm. bolero, stuff like that. Um, and then I went to performing arts for voice, and then there was a musical audition, and I auditioned. So it was never theater. It was it always was voice. musical theater. Musical theater, okay. Yeah, and then I went to school. I went to school in New York City for musical theater. Mm -hmm. And then it morphed into straight plays. Ah, I see. The, the Buffalo School for the Performing Arts, Visual and Performing yeah. Arts, uh, is where you've really got the inkling of, uh, of theater more than just singing, more than just yeah. musical theater, and, 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 and you got a taste for well, that. Well, it was there. It was at Performing Arts, and I was also in the swing choir at St. Joe's. Okay. So the swing choir, and I did all of their musicals as well. Okay. So I studied with Mr. Dia, Mr. With James Dia, and sure. with, with Lynn curtier Fumato. Oh, Jesus. So that I considered to be my foundation. And that is a super yeah. foundation yeah, between the two of them. Absolutely. They were, they were uh, not to talk, talk about myself, but they were the first the first professional show I did in Buffalo where he was the vocal director yeah. and Lynn was the... Lynn's genius wow. is making people like me look like we know how to move on stage. <laughs> and and I, I know she just bites her fist whenever she comes into the room and goes, oh, Pomisano's here. <laughs> I just, I just know that she's saying, all right, I'm going to cross out all of the choreography I had intended. <clears throat> Peter, you just walk. Can you at least do a grapevine walk with me? So, and then wow. now here I am working with Lynn again it, it, currently I in this other show. Up, yeah. And, of course, we laugh about and remember those old days. 85. So that? Yeah, yeah, way before your parents were born. <laughs> 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 I think it was 85. It might have been 84 wow. or 86. That's crazy. That's I amazing. Even, I don't even remember. But anyway, enough about me. So so it was Jim Diot yeah. and Lynn mm -hmm. who helped get you get you started on there. Oh, yeah. They're mm -hmm. they're the foundation. They're like my, my school. Yeah. Well, and you also went to AMDA, right? And then I went to AMDA, yeah, for college. After, after their influence mm -hmm. and everything else, and you got the bug, mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. got into AMDA, mm -hmm. uh, what, what would you say would be their strongest influence of, of Jim and, and Lynn? Uh, well, for, so... Just their encouragement? And, I'd say different... Different influences from both of them. With with Diat, it was understanding 
the talent I've been given and how to share it, mm-hmm. right? And and seeing it as a responsibility, mm-hmm. right? That's the biggest lesson from from Diat and just how to live in grace in your talent. Beautiful. From um, Lynn, it was just the foundation of tell a good story. That was that was all Lynn. How to how to put in the work, how to develop the character, rehearsal ethic. Oh, I mean, like oh, she is solid. Yes, you can you can always tell who went through Saint Joe Swing Choir. Mm-hmm. Like when you're in a rehearsal, right? Mm-hmm. You can. I can always point it out, like, and I'll ask them, swing choir? Yep. <laughs> and it's because that ethic. You can tell. You know? Yes. Yeah. So basically what they taught was how to use the God-given gift of your voice and perform with it yep. and take it to the stage and tell a story with it. Yep. Wow, that's a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. So what happens after after and, AMDA? Uh, um, did you get the bug to stay in New York? And Of and course. The dream has every, always been. Does. It still is. Yeah. The dream is still reaching that level of that level in your career is always Broadway it has always been Broadway sure so I graduated from AMDA and I got a gig right away doing Latino theater which is you know has always been my mission um and then what happened then I come I come home to visit I was already living in New York I come home to visit and I meet my husband uh oh that was it uh oh (laughs) And that was it. I met my husband in July of 2001, and and I graduated in January of 2001. Mm-hmm. And by February of 2002, we were married. And did you start a family? So we were. Or, or, I mean, sure, he wasn't. I'm sure he wasn't discouraging of your talent or or you know your, your desire to perform. But all of a sudden, you become. I yep. don't know. Uh, yep. Everybody was like, "Are you wife. pregnant?" <laughs> Everybody thought I was pregnant because I was getting married so soon, and I was never the marrying type. I was like, "I don't need a man. No, I'm never having kids. I'm a career woman." You know, I was I was that type of person. And then seven months later, I'm like, "Yep, married." Oh, okay. Um, no, I mean that's why it's worked. Twenty years later, with Carlos, Carlos has always been the. Sure, let's do it. Mm-hmm. He's he's the most supportive person in the world. But I, I, as soon as I decided to stay in Buffalo, I did what you're taught to do in school, which was see phone book. I looked up the phone book, <laughs> all of the theater companies in the phone book, and I sent my headshot and my resume to it, to them. And the only theater company that uh, that bit was Alleyway Theater. Is that right? Yep. So my first gig here. Was there, I'm trying to think what year this was. This was 2001. And so was it, did we have as many theaters at that point? I'm trying to remember. Um, Yeah. Because we've obviously had this blossoming over the past several years. I mean, Ujima, Alleyway, Irish, Kavanoki. Roadless didn't exist yet. No, Roadless didn't exist yet. Uh, um, and certainly not uh, Seven Ten or, or, yeah, or none of those or... none of those places. Okay, so, but yeah, there was O'Connell and Company mm-hmm. Musical Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Neil Radis called me in, and I auditioned for him, and I did um, a Christmas Carol. That was my first show. Oh, his perennial Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah, that was my first show. But before I left to, did he ask you to come in and sing? It was that. Yeah, he he. I sent him my stuff, oh, and he then, could see that then he the called. Yeah. yeah, he called and said, "Okay, come in for an audition." Cool. And I did, and that was my first gig after I came back from college. But when I graduated high school, my brother-in-law Rolando Gomez yes. was at Buff State studying theater, and Lorna Hill was directing a musical there, and they just needed more people, I guess. Mm-hmm. So right after I graduated high school. I met Lorna. Lorna was like, yeah, come and do this play. I was like, but I'm not a student here. Yes. And she was like... <laughs> Lorna's great. No, she's <laughs> she terrific. was like, so, yeah, come yeah, in. Yeah, really. So that was my first, like, <laughs> show. I'm not a student. What's, what's your point? Exactly. Yeah. And um, so I did, I did that show with Lorna when I was, like, 17, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I came back from college, my first show was Christmas Carol at Alleyway. And then I did um, another show there, a Neil Raddis musical called Shadow Serenade I with Tom Owen. T- yeah, Tom, sure. Um, I don't think, is that all I did before? And then we, because then we moved to Florida, my husband and I. You did? Yeah. 
We moved to Florida. I lived in Weston, which is like a little suburb right did, outside. Did you move of because of your husband's work? My my husband's family was just some of his family was just moving there, and uh, they had a business. And my husband decided to go in in that business with them, huh. um, and to be closer to his family, obviously, because sure. he was here. He's from Venezuela. Okay. And um, you know, we wanted to do something something new we were married we were like you know newlyweds and wanted to venture out into the world and and uh decided that florida was the place and we lasted there about a year and a half and i was miserable the whole time yeah. <laughs> so we're living in florida and i i say i need to go to new york i need to get a fix in new york <laughs> from my from my friends so i go to new york and i hadn't done any theater in about a year or so uh, maybe even two years so on a whim I call a Latino theater company that I had met doing some work here in Buffalo. And I said, um, any auditions for anything? Uh, yeah. Who does that? So they were like, yeah, come in. <laughs> and I was like, sure. Uh, and they were auditioning for this musical, this original musical called um, The Red Rose. And it was starring a, like, a very prominent Puerto Rican artist. Okay. So I go in and she's like, so you live in Buffalo? Are you? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm planning on moving to New York. Bull crap. <laughs> I was living in Florida. <laughs> I was like, yep, yep. We're making the transition. We're, uh, we're moving here soon. Any in the, in the next couple months. And um, <laughs> the first so, thing they teach you in audition. Exactly. Whatever they say, you, you go, yep, 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 absolutely. Exactly. Sure, I can do mm -hmm. that. Yep. No, Ride sure a can. horse? Yeah, yep. I can do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just did it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I audition and I leave. I go back to to Florida and I continue with my life. I was working at a law firm in Florida. And about six months later, it was September, I get a call from her, from the artistic director. Really? Saying, um, so are you here already? <laughs> wow. And I say, why? And she goes, because we'd like to offer you the part in that musical. And I was like, fantastic. And in my mind, I'm going, Crap! How much? What I'm am I gonna? Florida. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So, so what did you do? She's like, uh, sh rehearsal starts in two weeks. You got two weeks to figure it out. Yep. So <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, can't wait to see you. Can't wait to start rehearsal. So I get off the phone and I tell my husband, Carlos? <laughs> I know. Uh, I think I gotta go to New York. Oh my! And you know, he has he owned a business. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, when we were down there. So he's like, this is how beautiful he is. He's like, go. Awesome. I'll be here. Isn't that great? Um, so I went. and He I, understands. He totally does. Yes, he, he does. Totally does. He totally does. And he understands how big this opportunity was. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I went, and about three months later, Carlos sold everything and took care of everything in Florida and moved all of our stuff to New York. To New York. Oh, my and while I was while I was there, we decided to stay in New York, did the did the musical, recorded the cast recording, toured with it to Puerto Rico. But, oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, like I was working as a teaching artist over there. I was finally doing what I was yes. set out, what I always set out to do in New York. And then my father decided to pass away. <laughs> oh, how thoughtless of him! I know. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you? And at the same time, he passed away. I was ten weeks pregnant. So, was he still over here on the west side? Yeah, they were yeah, all here. Yeah. So then we drove mm -hmm. to Buffalo, um, and then I couldn't go back to New York. I couldn't leave my mom alone. And, mm -hmm. and I was pregnant, and I didn't want to... It helps to have family around. Exactly. I didn't, I didn't want to raise my child in New York City. I didn't want to do it. No matter how big the dream was, no matter how good I was doing at that moment, I just couldn't see myself raising a baby in New York City. Yes, yes. And, and and in addition to having family here just for the birth, but the the, the cousins to, to, and to the, be with family, the circle, the, the support, the absolutely, circle, I would have support. none of that yeah. in New York City. So then we sold everything again. <laughs> oh, this is uh, this. I mean, we were, when I asked you this question, I didn't think it was going to be this yeah, this yeah. elaborate. Yeah. I thought maybe you, you went to New York and then you went to Florida and you came back to Buffalo. Mm -mm, no, no. I mean, that's technically what happened. <laughs> I left out a lot, a lot of steps. Of, in a lot there. of stuff that happened. So, yeah. so that was 2006. My son was born in 2006, and I've been here ever since. So how did you become, because you're very much in demand now, both as 
as an actor and as a director. Oh, and you. I mean, you just got a great review for uh, Kiss of a Spider, Spider Woman, yeah. and 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 the, the one with Cooking at the Cookery. You know, I'm going to try to think of her name, Zoe. Zoe, yeah. Who yeah. I did a show with with uh, Lorna, uh-huh. and Zoe was this uh-huh. big. Yeah, yeah. And I'm telling you, Victoria, one day, and she was this little. Peapot, who was just uh-huh. running around, yeah. just and I would have so much fun with her, just joking and everything. And one day, Lorna had her sing something, and I just went, <gasps> "Yep," because she was like this big, had and the voice this voice a, came yep, out of yep. her like I don't know, Lena Horn or something. Mm-hmm. It was just, and I was floored. Yeah, and now here she is. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, uh, I know. So anyway, so how did all this happen? If you can give me, a, is there <laughs> is there a short version or is it just people one one thing after? Because I mean, Clean House was what did we say, nineteen fifty seven? Yeah, yeah. You know, yep, it was yep. it was four or five years ago. No, no, more than that. More? Oh my god! I I want to say it was like two thousand twelve, thirteen. Oh. <laughs> Or maybe even 10, because my son was born in 2006, and my son wasn't that old when Holy I was working, cow. when I was doing Clean House. All right. It might have been 2010. All right. We've talked about how I'm decrepit and my memory is <laughs> shot. Uh, but but I guess what I really want to know is, did you pursue these things, or were you pursued, or no, I had you it. wanted to direct as well? No, no. No. I pursued, I've always wanted to be a performer. It's always been performing. Mm-hmm. So I always... Obviously, did the whole auditions thing and just wanted to perform. I wanted to perform in musical theater. That was, it's, I was never interested in straight plays. Yes. Um, no, your first love clearly was musical it's theater. It's musical theater. Sure. People couldn't see, it was very difficult for directors and artistic directors to see me as a musical theater performer. Mm-hmm. Because, because of my arti- accent, because of my size, my and body artistic type. Artistic directors, yeah, they, they get a view of what the, yep. a person should look like. Yep. And, yep. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Thank goodness that now we have we're we're changing our lenses our lenses. Where before, when I was at at AMDA, you have a whole audition technique class that yeah. you take for yes. a whole semester, and they basically strip you down to look the same. Really? Yep. You have to look exactly the same. Your makeup is the same. Your hair is the same. The clothes you wear for auditions is the same. But so, are, we're changing our lenses. Do you think that's because? Well, not because, but you think that like something like Hamilton, oh, of course, had has, a, has a, a great big, effect on it. Yep. So there's this colorblind sort of of mm-hmm. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. okay. No, anyway. it's okay to look at things that way. But when I was when I was trying to get the work, it was very difficult for people to see me. I understand as a musical theater performer. Yes. When it's like that's all I ever wanted. Yes. You know, I grew up with MGM musicals. My father would just sit down and watch dance as well. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God, Gene <laughs> Kelly to me is like. Oh yeah. A god. He's a god, of course. Right? But people just couldn't connect that with me. I understand. You know? So then it was like, okay, I'm still a storyteller. Yes. Right? Yes. And I started doing straight plays. And, but like going for it. Because I was like, okay, nobody's going to do musical theater. Fine. I can still tell the story. And people like Kurt Schneiderman at Subversive. Yes. People like Kim Piazza at Alleyway Theater. Mm -hmm. Um kept giving me, not giving me, kept affording the opportunities yes. for me for me to be in place there. And then um, John Elston saw me doing something, doing Twilight at Subversive. And I also saw something at Rollers Traveled, and I said, that's a theater company I want to work for. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw auditions coming up for Rollers Traveled, and I couldn't make it. So I emailed Scott, and I said, hey, I'm new. I can't make these auditions. Are there, is there any other time that I could come and audition for you? Yes. And he was like, sure, I'm eating a sub. Come. <laughs> <laughs> so I literally auditioned for him while he was eating a sub. And then and there's a lesson in this. that You, you oh, reached you, out. Yep. You, you, when you first got here, you, you wrote to all. You went looked in the phone Look, book. You wrote to all those theater companies. And now you're calling people yep. up. Yep. Okay, yep. I'm sorry. I know. I know. That's a theater company I want to work for. Auditions, I can't make it. You know what? I'm going to just email and say Ask him. Yep. And ask him, can I, can I come? What have you got to lose? Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, I started doing work here. Uh, I did The first show I did here at Rollers Traveled was um, Last Day. No. What was the first show I did? I think it was Last Days of Judas Iscariot. Okay. Yep. That's the first show I did here. And Scott and I just connected mm-hmm. from our first meeting. And I remember he's the 
one and only person that wrote me an email and said, give me a list of the plays you want to do. Wow. I said, really? Mm -hmm. And guess what was the top on that list? Clean house. Clean house. Yeah. And two years later, we did it. Oh, that's, that's a great story. Yeah. That's yeah. terrific. Okay, let's get into directing so, for a minute, because then I still want to get into the list. Okay. So directing, I and I say this all over town, I never set out to be a director. Mm -hmm. Never. It was out of need, right? Secondly, it was out of need. You have to have an outlet, need. an artistic outlet. Yeah. Well, a different kind of need, but we'll get into that. First, it was people just... The very first person that offered me a directing gig was Kim Piazza. Mm -hmm. I was working for Theater Plus as a performer, and she said, you should think about directing. Is there any project you'd like to direct? Mm. And I was like, I've never, act never, never. Never given it a thought. Never. Yeah. And... I found this play called um, Real Women Have Curves. Oh, I've heard of that. Uh, yes. Josefina Lopez. And, you know, at my mind has always been Latino stories. So I said, you know what? I think this is a play I might want to direct. Very first thing that I, and she said, okay. So it's people like that that oh, see something great. in you yeah. and, and have that conversation with you. And then you follow through and you find the play and you're like, this is what I want to do. And she's like, yeah, go ahead, do it. So that was the very first thing I directed for Theater Plus, for Kim Piazza. And then... Um, through Raices, through the theater company, mm -hmm. right? It's who's going to direct it. So out of that need of who do we trust yes. with this story? Who do, we, who do we trust that we're going to keep it authentic, mm -hmm. that, um, that has the experience, that has worked with many different directors that can pull from, that has a natural knack for it? And the answer was me. So then... <laughs> So then I just, I just became a director. Yeah. Never set out to be, but I was always a really, and I still am, just a student. Yes. So I take many different things from many different directors, right? And I, I direct the way I wish I was directed all the time. Yes. You, you were a sponge. That's, I yep. always say that that's the way I, yep. that's the way I learned that because I didn't go to school for any of this, but... I learned from everybody. I asked questions. I, yep. you know, lighting designer would ask, "Why are you doing that? Yep. Why are you doing this?" Because it, yep. that's how you learn. That's that's the way. And I'm like a lover of process. Mm. So even when I'm being directed by the by a director, mm -hmm. I am paying attention to how he's doing it yes. or how she's doing it. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's like compartmentalizing the mind. Mm -hmm. I'm listening listening to you as an actor, but also as a fellow theater maker, I'm peeping how you're doing yes. this. Yes, that's that's a very good. That's a way good way of putting. Yeah. Yes, you're yeah. soaking up what's uh, whatever you can, but it's also sort of a there's a sort of a voyeuristic thing to it yeah. because you're not just paying attention to what he's doing, but you're making mental notes about mm -hmm. not just what to do, but what not to do. Right. Oh, oh, and, oh, yeah. and how how is this organized? How does the, mm -hmm. the stage manager doing mm -hmm. this? That's oh, fascinating. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, first of all, Raises. Yes. Yes. Thank and, you. And how that began and. What's it doing now? And, and, you know, what were your intentions and just everything about sure. it? Sure. Um, so Scott Barron again. So I, I do one show here and he asks me to become part of the ensemble. So mm -hmm. I was part of the, the first, the first the year, first the, class the, the first <laughs> class, right? And, and, you know, he, when he explained the ensemble to us, he was like, you know, it's about affording you guys more opportunities and blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, hmm. And. There was only like three of us doing Latino theater here in Buffalo, right? Myself, Rolando, um, and Lilian Gina Quinones. She's no longer here. She's in Atlanta, doing her thing in Atlanta, by the way. Good for her. And we were constantly just being called for the, you know, those type of roles. Yes. And it was like, we have so much more to give, right? And we had done the whole theater company, Raices, in like 2003, 2004 with Ujima. And for various, this is right before I left mm -hmm. to Florida. For various reasons, everybody just went their separate ways. So that first um, try at Raiz is just like dismantled, right? Um, and and then, who did who was who was involved in the first? Myself, Rolando, Rolando Gomez, and Lilian Gina Quinones. Okay, okay. I mean, the, the, yeah. just the three of you were just, the core. You didn't have we any. We were we were the core, and of course Ujima. We were under the umbrella of Ujima. Oh, I didn't so. realize it. For some reason, I thought you were under the umbrella of uh, Road Less. No, the second time. The first time it was Ujima. Oh, it was so it was under the leadership of of uh, Lorna. Of Lorna, okay. Yeah, and we were at Theater Law, so we did two productions as Raices back then under the umbrella of 
Ujima. And Lorna directed our first show. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, we were doing our thing, but we separated. Um, ten years later, I'm back. You're back. In Buffalo. And I'm like, I really want to do a reading, a reading series. I just want to do plays in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Right. Or not even not not just Spanish. I just want to do plays by Latino playwrights. Sure. Right? Tell those stories. And tell those stories. Yes. And I'm like, but I don't want to do a company because that just left a bad taste in my mouth. I don't that's just not I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was just like, hey, Scott, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lesson here. Right. Hey, Scott, I want to do this. I want to do like four or five readings in a season. Just one night. Invite an audience, uh, free for the community, and I want you to host it. I want Roadless Travel to host it. And he said, okay. Okay. <laughs> now, where was he at that point? Was he over at the Market Arcade? Market Arcade? Yes. Okay. Market Arcade. So we got together with uh, Gina, you know, the managing director. Sure, Gina. And we and Steve Brockman, who was with us from the very beginning. Yes, I did. Um, he was like, Scott was like, here, I give you Steve. <laughs> Oh, you know. Oh, my God. Uh, Steve loves you. Oh, I, Steve's, oh my God. Steve's a great guy. Yes. I, what a crazy kid. So he was like, crazy he was kid, like yeah. here he is. He's yours. And I was like, I'm never letting go. So we chose the, the four plays. We created, we did the whole press release thing. We, you know, let the whole community know and did not want a, a theater company at all. Mm-hmm. I just wanted a reading series. Mm-hmm. That's it. And we did the first reading, and it was La Gringa. And um, I tell the story all the time. La Gringa is about identity, and it's about trying to reconcile not being Puerto Rican enough or not being American enough, mm-hmm. you know. And at, at the Q&A, the, a mom is sitting next to her daughter, and the mom raises her hand, and she goes, Hi, I just, great job, blah, blah, blah. I just want to say that my daughter and I haven't been speaking for a very long time, our relationship has changed. She's a teenager now, blah, blah, blah. She doesn't oh, want to hang with mom. She's oh, not that. really. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah we all oh, know that. Sure. Mine is beginning. I'm, he's 13. <laughs> and she goes, but during, in the middle of the play, she tapped my shoulder and said, mommy, that's me up there. Oh, my God. Every time I tell it, I want to cry. I know you're. <laughs> Every my time. eyes are getting misty. And I said, Crap. <laughs> Now I gotta do this. Now you gotta do it because there is an audience desperate for it. And the what what seeing yourself, what representation means, you know, for that family, it meant opening up dialogue. Mm -hmm. If theater can do that, yes, then I want to be a part of it a hundred percent. Then after that, it was like a full on company, theater company with ensemble members and. Our, one of our biggest mission was I, I saw that there was there's only three of us doing this that study theater here. There's got to be other people. There's got to be. And there's got to be not only other people that have studied it, but other people that just want to do it. Have the hunger. Right, have mm-hmm. the hunger to do it. And I said, what, what we have to do is help develop them as theater artists and also give them the opportunities to grow mm-hmm. as theater artists mm-hmm. because no other company would do that. Right, so that's that's what we set out to do. So, what's the status now? There are seventeen members oh, to our ensemble. That's 17 wonderful. Seventeen Latino artists. And where are you based? I mean, what's your home base? Would you consider? Well, we've been at Subversive for mm-hmm. four, or five seasons, mm-hmm. but Latino artists who are working in many different theaters, who have gotten the experience of acting, of designing, of directing, of writing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's something that brings brings us a lot of pride because it's like, you know, you set out to do something that's like huge. But it's gotten so sick. I, mean, yeah. I don't go to the RDO Awards all the time, but I went last, was it last year? Uh, Jay Desiderio won. Yes. Uh, and uh, it, it was like the Latino yep. the, the community. We're here. You took over that place mm-hmm. and it was energy and yeah. it was exciting. It's yeah. that, I give you a lot of credit. That, Thank you. That is terrific. Thank you. I mean, you must feel a great sense of accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. You, you should. Uh, it, it occurs to me that this might be something that could branch out in other cities. You know, I mean, I'm not, I don't know how you would even begin to do that, but if somebody came here and saw what you've done with this and saw how it, how the 
how do you say Latino and Latina and Latinx? Oh, is, God, that's a does, whole other podcast, X, Peter. How does the X, I mean, I understand because <laughs> we don't know if it's a man or a woman, because it's Italian's the same way. It's, you know, you know, it's an O at the end if it's a male and it's an A for, yep. for a woman. And all of a so sudden, it's, now a gen- this it's, a, it's a language based on gender. Yeah. So yeah. what's the X? How do you even say that? It's. <laughs> It's a whole other podcast, and it's actually very controversial. Is it really? Uh, yeah, because among the Latino, Latina, yes. Latinx community. Yep, yep, very, very. Do you, you, do have, you say Latinx? You don't. I. Tr- is it one of those things? I try where, not to. Well, is it one of those things? Like even in English language, if you don't know, it, the the it, the male is the uh, 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 the default. So if you said, uh, I don't know who's coming, but send him to me. And now we don't know. So now it's it's supposed. See, when I was an English teacher, you always you couldn't say, "I don't know who's coming, but send them to me." That you weren't allowed to do that. You weren't allowed to do. What could you do? You were supposed to use. You were supposed to use the male. Or I used to just tell my students, "Look, make it make it generic. I don't I don't know who's coming, but send that that person to me." Ah, okay. Because if you said him, that's supposedly correct. Right. If you said them, that's plural. You're not. This was back when I was teaching. It's, you know, and that it, was 15 and, years and ago. And that, that goes to show you that it's it's all a matter of how what the society at that point in time needs mm-hmm. out of their out of the language. Oh yes. Right? So Latin X yes. is because out of necessity it grew? Out of necessity of the I believe. Mm-hmm. This is all in my opinion. And I've heard different people talk about it. The diaspora. The diaspora yes. is the people that come here from another yes from another place, yes. right? And and what their experience is living in in a foreign place. They started to feel and I can say I cuz I am also part of the diaspora, but I don't feel that way that saying latino or latina didn't include people who were gender neutral. Oh. Right? Okay, yeah. Right? Cuz if if I identify cuz latino means all in general. Okay. Right? So if... so It's if, the default. It, it's it the default. Everybody. It means yes. everybody. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. But if I want to be more specific and talking about myself... And I'm, if you know I'm you're Latina. talking about female, exactly. you're Latina. Yep. See. Exactly. But some people are like, but that doesn't include me. I'm neither Latino or Latino. Oh. So what I am I? I didn't even realize it was there. What am I? So then they're like, I'm Latinx. And that is gender neutral. That is something that encompasses everybody. Right? But... That works for people whose Spanish usually, whose Spanish is not their first language, who identify as Latinos, mm-hmm. right, yes. but don't speak English, don't speak Spanish, don't speak. right? My husband and myself were both native Spanish speakers. Yes. Now, if I talk to all of his friends who are almost all native Spanish speakers, yes. and I've had this conversation over dinner, I bring up the term Latinx, and they're like, what, what the hell is that? <laughs> And I explained to them, and they're like, that's completely unnecessary. It's unnecessary. You follow the rules it of the Spanish language. It used to be unnecessary. Right. Now it's necessary. And now I tell them, but I, I don't agree with it, right? Right. It, 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 it feels foreign to say Latinx, because the X isn't, you don't even pronounce it. No, you weren't brought up that in, way. It's in not Spanish, the, the X is an S. You pronounce it as an S. Oh. You know what I mean? So it doesn't even fit into the language? No, it does not fit into the language oh, at all. I, I but I understand the need to use it at this point in time. The, the same way as we, we we now understand the needs, need to use they and them exactly. for the same exactly. reason in, in exactly. English. I listened to another podcast called, uh, and this guy, John McWhorter, I can remember his name, but I can't remember <laughs> the name of the podcast, uh, uh, Lexicon Valley. Okay. And it talks, and I first got interested in listening to it because it talks about English language and, and how things have changed and so on. And he used to annoy me every week because he would talk about how things have now become acceptable uh-huh. to say this and how it is acceptable now to say, uh, whoever comes to the door, send them in. Right. That's acceptable now. And, right. and of course, I'm going, no, it's not acceptable. Right. It's wrong. Right. And of course, his, his point is, if people use it, if people say it and understand it, then it is now being accepted. Yep. You know, and, yep. and grow up, old man. Right. You have to learn right. to, uh, what's acceptable. I never even put together. I thought Latinx was because you were trying to, the same way we use they, them, also because you did not know the gender uh, of of the person or thing, you know whatever yeah. if the person I don't know how you'd say it in your language but how, the person comes to the door you don't know if it's male or female so Latinx would be 
you know, a reference to whichever way they, it goes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now you're saying that it's actually because of this gender identity thing. Yeah. Well, I think it's I, both of those things. I didn't. I, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. All right. Well, I, you know, I have to ask you the, the big question now. The name of this podcast is Off-Road. Uh-huh. So I would like to take you off-road for oh, a second. yes. Let's go. <laughs> and now the lights are going to go off. Again. No, but this, this might take some thought. Although I've asked people, and they have it right on the tip of their tongue. If you were to be off of the road that you're on now, if you hadn't gone into theater, if you hadn't had this God-given voice, and, and none of that had happened... What other road might you have taken? What other interest? Where where might you be right now? Not location wise, but it, what other interest might you have followed up? That's a tough one. It is. That's a tough one. I mean, because during I mean, this first, has become your life now. The, yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wanted to be a teacher, but I, you know, during the daytime, that's what I do. I'm a teaching artist. Yes, yes, you are. I was going to ask you about that yeah. too, but, yeah. uh, but, but. Other than that, I mean, the mind has always fascinated me. So, like a psychologist. Oh. You know, somebody that works with the issues that we have, that with, we all with have. damaged people yeah, like Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it fascinates me how how someone can have the same parents but yet have a different experience and different things affect different people in a different way. You know, that stuff is just fascinating. Isn't and, it, though? Uh, it, you yeah. take a child and you put him, yeah. take him out of this particular location and put him over here. This is the old nature versus... Nurture. nurture thing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and you, you have him raised differently that's it yeah it, it yeah. makes me crazy when people talk about well you know all these people are this and all those people are that but, but you know but to take that person and stick him in your family and he becomes like you yep you yep. know and, and mm-hmm. or, or stick him with your experiences and he yeah. becomes like yeah. you the same thing with yeah. politics you stick this person if they're surrounded constantly by nothing but that one cable newscast that shall remain nameless. <laughs> what do you think he's going to end up thinking? Right. You know, it, yeah. it, I see it in my own family. Uh, you know, and it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It is. It is. Which is why, and I am always I always gravitate towards uh, character studies, mm-hmm. towards plays that are character studies. Oh, I love that because. To me, it's just the best thing is to figure out, to put the puzzle pieces together yes. and figure out why that person is the way they are. It, script analysis. There's not enough of that done as far as I'm concerned because, because I was an English teacher and I loved analysis of, of a book. Mm-hmm. And you'd read it and, and all of a sudden, of course, you'd read it as a teacher. You'd read a book a dozen times yep. before you even started teaching it. And then, and then you kept reading it. And every time I would find something every new in it time. and you would find all these different pathways for mm-hmm. how this. And I'm, I am such awe of writers who, Same here. who can do that. Same here. It, it's always amazing to Same me. Same here. And it's, you know, working as a director, you get to know, you know, the, the type of actors that work for your style and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's, the actor needs to be a detective. Yes. That's your job is yes. to be a detective. And the actor that doesn't judge what the character is saying, but tries to figure out why they're saying it. That's the actor that excites me. Mm-hmm. You know, ah, I don't think my, I don't think my character would be saying anything like that. Well, did you write it? <laughs> the writer wrote it for a reason. It's right. your job to figure out why. <clears throat> yes. I, I, I fully agree with all of that. I, when I'm, we're, when I'm rehearsing a play with somebody and they say, well, why this this doesn't seem right that the character would say this? I'm thinking, well, you know, this play probably w- went through a thousand revisions, mm-hmm. and the playwright decided on this word. Mm-hmm. It's not an accident. Mm-mm. Don't nope. change that word. Nope. It's there for a reason. Figure now, out. You figure it out. Why is it there? Same. Don't I'm tell me it's way. a mistake or anything. Mm-mm. No, no, no. I have. A, I, I feel like, and I, I quoted this before, and I'm not even sure who it was. Maybe Oscar Wilde. Somebody said, I spend all morning trying to decide whether I should put a comma or a period uh-huh. here, and then I spend all afternoon changing it back. Yep. yep. <laughs> because the, it, the revision, yep. it, it, they put that much time and effort into it. You have to expect that, or you have to respect yep. that, that those are the words that he wanted. Yep. And to me, <clears throat> a, a different word to use other than, yes, respect, but to me, it's honor it. Honor it, yes. You have to honor what the playwright is writing, and honor his process. Yes, that, that, he, that this is where 
Not to mention the fact. Figure out why he chose that comma. Yes. Because it changes it. It absolutely does. Completely changes it. If you don't know how to read understanding punctuation, you you can't be a good actor. I mean, unless you have a director that will feed everything to you. But this is why auditions are difficult for people who... You, who don't don't honor the grammar of a sentence yep. and the and the punctuation that's in it because the punctuation often tells you exactly it tells you every, it tells you how to say it it tells you what you need to know yep. and if you yep. don't okay we're off on a tangent here <laughs> <laughs> Victoria Perez Majolo you see gracias did I say it uh, you did perfect yeah, perfect thank you so much well for you're Italian Majolo is Italian yeah that's my my husband's the, roots there's are something Italy about the way it comes out of your mouth it's so so much better than when <laughs> comes out of an old white guy's mouth. (laughs) Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure having you on Off-Road. Well, yes, I know that taped is easier to say because it's one syllable and DVR is is three and recorded. Oh, that's three more syllables. So, oh, never mind. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I hope it brought a little lightness into your life. She is such a bubbly, enthusiastic person. I just love her. Victoria Perez Maggiolo. And now in the middle of this coronavirus crisis that we are all, uh, we're all going to pull through. Uh, It's going to be rough for a while, but we're going to make it just fine. I do have an announcement that unfortunately, and then fortunately, unfortunately, hand to God has been postponed. It's not exactly canceled. As a matter of fact, they're having talks right now about possibly bringing it back within the next few months. But I will let you know when I know. So that wraps it up with another episode of Off-Road with Pete Pomisano. Someone was asking me, why is it called a podcast? And, and because they don't remember that like 20-some years ago... It might have even been longer than that. Apple introduced the iPod, and then they introduced this concept of podcasting. I think it was 2005 or something like that when they introduced the idea. And now there are a million podcasts, even though it was a a totally unheard of practice at the time. And I thought, eh, nobody's going to do this. And now I'm doing it. And I will be back in a couple of weeks with uh, somebody. I'm not really sure right now because, of course, this whole thing has been thrown into a tizzy and all of my plans have gone out the window just like everybody else. But we'll get by. I'll survive. I've got a lot of fun things uh, planned down the pipeline, assuming that there will still be a pipeline. So, till then... I hope you enjoyed Off-Road, an RLTP podcast with me, Pete Pomisano. Stay healthy, my friends. Mm-hmm.